0: Uh, John chapter 15, uh, 16. We've been in a series. Uh, I've loved the series. It's been incredible um, as we've gone through the book of John. And so um, we are still in the upper room and um, J- John chapter 16 is sort of on the tail end of what's been going on in the upper room in Jerusalem, right outside the city gate. And, um, and w- what happens next after this conversation is that Jesus heads off with his disciples. Um, into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is just just across the Kidron Valley, um, about 350 paces. And so um, this is a really powerful moment, and I'm really going to be hitting on the Holy Spirit today because Jesus introduces something in John chapter 14 and then brings it home in John chapter 15 that finds its fruition in Acts chapter 1. And the disciples had no idea what he was talking about, which is sort of a theme going on here. It was this like, we, we look at it and we look at this chapter and we go, yeah, we can put all the pieces together. But they were in the middle of like, huh? Oh, what are you talking about? Just tell me when you're taking over, Jesus, because we want to sit on your right and left. You know, that was their mindset. Um, but Jesus was unpacking something that, that we are living in and through today. It's probably one of the greatest things that still impacts our lives outside of the cross. And that is the Holy Spirit. And, and the famous verse in John chapter 16 is where Jesus says, it's to, my, it's to your advantage that I go away because when I go, I send the helper. So I want to start in Acts. And like I said, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. This isn't going to be a deep dive theological study into the verse by verse of John chapter 16, but really more the heartbeat of what Jesus was getting to and looking at the full picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a very controversial topic. And we're just going to dive right in. Okay. Acts chapter four. uh, And I just want to read this because I want you to get the spirit of it. The title of my message today is, we need a move. We need a move of God. We need a move. We need God to do something. And I don't mean that like he needs to fix the election. That's not what I'm talking about. He needs to fix us. He needs to fix our communities and our cities and our nation towards God. And, and we believe that that's the work, a work of the Holy Spirit. We need a move of God. Something beyond what we can do. That's what we're asking for. That's what we're asking for in our own lives, in the lives of our friends and family. Things that we're powerless to do, we need God to do. On the streets of San Diego, in the neighborhoods of Escondido, like we need God to move. And, it, and, and, and we're, we're, we're naive to think that, that, is, that the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is not right in the middle of that. So we're gonna read in Acts chapter four, verse 29 says this. Now, Lord, this is, okay, let me hit this preference really quick. This is the, the apostles and disciples and they're like losing their mind because Jesus just left and, and people are getting saved, but the government's coming down hard on them. And this is a prayer. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servant with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hands to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness in verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. We need a move. Father God, we just, uh, God, we come to you now and we ask Holy Spirit that you'd reveal yourself to us, that you would speak, that we would hear your words, Jesus, speak life into us that places in our lives that maybe have have become distorted or anxious, God, that you would bring your peace and your joy and your boldness. And ultimately, God, we ask that you would shake the very foundations of our lives and our community for your glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So as I said, um, this is a controversial topic and there's there's good reason for that because the enemy knows that that without the power of the Holy Spirit, without his people, his believers walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's not a lot of hope for our world. and um, and, and And that's why Jesus spoke about it so much. He spoke about it probably more than you even No, and and we're going to get into the controversy a little bit, but my goal today is to really bring clarity and then step into the ask, because we have a big ask of the Lord, and we're going to get to that at the end. But I want to start in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, because Jesus reintroduces something that he talked about in John chapter 16. And so in John in Acts chapter 1, Jesus just rose from the dead. So we look at Acts and we think of, you know, the, the New Testament church, but we're not there yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't come yet and Jesus hasn't left the planet yet. And obviously those things happen, you know, coincide with one another. So Acts chapter 1, Jesus is still here and he's talking to his disciples. And they respond to him and they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So again, we're back in the conversation that we had in the upper room, which is, Jesus, you came to Jerusalem to take over, right? Because we're your sidekicks and Jesus, you know, plus life equals winning. And so we're going to hang on with you and you're going to come in and take over. And he didn't. He died instead. The disciples went everywhere. And now he's back. So you have to see this through the lens of, of the disciples. They have no idea what's happening. They don't know the story we have. They don't the the good news hadn't been preached to them yet. It's happening to them. And so Jesus shows up and they go, Okay, Lord, we were wrong before. We thought you came into those beautiful the gate beautiful to take over. You turned over the tables and then you died instead of took over. That took a different turn. We get it. But now you're back. So are you now going to take over? Because if so, we want to sit on your right and left, (laughs) right? It's like the uh, first time anybody ever called like spiritual shotgun. Shotgun, I want to sit in the front seat, right? (laughs) It's like Jesus, you're driving, I'm in the front, you know. So so Jesus responds, again, we're in Acts chapter 1 and Jesus is before his disciples and they're having this conversation and Jesus is like, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. The whole like taking over and restoring the kingdom thing. Because yes, I want to restore the kingdom. And we're going to come back to that at the end because that's the big ask. God, we need to move. We need you to restore our kingdom. Like we need you to come, your kingdom come here and now. It's still our ask today. And they were asking it then, but they were asking as if Jesus is going to do it. And he says in verse, uh, the very next verse, It's not for you to know the time or the season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you. It's probably like the biggest but you ever. It's normally but God, but this one's a but you. And they're like, what? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So listen, like this is a really famous verse, but you have to realize where it started. And where it started was the disciples saying, Jesus, are you now going to fix everything? And he goes... Actually, it's different than that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness. So the disciples are like, wait, who? Like, I I think you misunderstood the, the question. The question is... Are you going to come over, and come and take over? And now you're introducing the Holy Spirit again. Well, the last time you introduced the Holy Spirit was in John chapter 16. So now we're in John chapter 16. This is the last time the, the disciples heard this Holy Spirit thing. And, and in John chapter 16, he says, It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him... So the last time you talked about the Holy Spirit, it was connected with you leaving. And you remember what happened, Jesus. Peter cut off an ear. We all scattered. He denied you. We went back to fishing. Like, this doesn't end well when you leave, Jesus. So don't give me this Holy Spirit stuff. You need to take over the kingdom. And he's like, no, you're going to do it. So this was, this was a moment where the disciples were like, man, you're like the most frustrating Messiah ever. <laughs> so Jesus begins to introduce something, and he introduces it in John chapter 14, verse 16, and chapter 16, and then in Acts and I want to talk to you about it, and it's the Holy Spirit within and upon. And this is where I want to get into a little bit of the teaching of the Holy Spirit, because it's important for us, because otherwise, what's happening in John chapter 14, 16, and Acts really doesn't make sense, because there's just a lot of Holy Spirit, and then what do we do with all that? And it's been a very argued in the body of Christ topic unnecessarily, in my opinion. And there's camps that are built, right? It's like there's the Holy Spirit-filled camp, as if no one else is Holy Spirit-filled, right? And then you have like the, the, the you know, other movements that don't really believe in that. And you have all these sectors of the body of Christ where the enemy's just loving it. Because he's like, man, the most confusion and the most arguments that I can create of, of one topic, the better, because then y'all are going to have a bunch of sideways energy and instead of contending for the move of God. Yeah. Amen. That's what we're going to do. And I want to say this, that, that we can absolutely disagree Come on. On, on the, 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 the non-essentials, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to, Listen, if, if you're in this church and you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to have a hard time not getting constantly frustrated in this church. Because we believe in Jesus and we're just going to talk about him. Like, right, this, Paul said, I believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Like, let's just, that's it. That's what we believe. Yeah, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's right. We believe he's real. We believe he's powerful. And you can't read the Bible and not believe that. So what you call, call it baptism of the Holy Spirit, call it spirit-filled, call it whatever you want to call it, a lot, it's irrelevant. Right. It's, let's not get hung up on the semantics. And when, when, when we're done with this sermon, if you and I disagree, I'm totally okay with the semantics of the Holy Spirit. But let's together contend for a move of God. Because I think that we can agree that what you and I have to offer is not enough. We need God to do something, and he does it through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I want to talk first about the Holy Spirit with us. So these are really important stages that we understand, the Holy Spirit with us. So go ahead and go to that slide. The Holy Spirit with you. The Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning, and we know that in Genesis, because when, when, when the Bible says the Holy Spirit was hovering, throughout the earth, right? So the Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning. It's not a new idea. Jesus didn't introduce it for the first time. John the Baptist didn't introduce it. The Holy Spirit has been here along with the Trinity, right? When God said, let us make man. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. The Holy Spirit's been around. And we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the, the Old Testament, right? The Holy Spirit would, would fall upon someone, but he wouldn't remain, He would fall upon someone for a a time, and then he would would leave. And there's reasons for that, because they weren't blood-bought, right? Jesus hadn't died yet, so the Holy Spirit can't fall on someone and remain because they're sinful, and Jesus hadn't died yet. And so that's how the Holy Spirit worked. He was working, and you see powerful, mighty things happen, but it was a different relationship. The Holy Spirit was with them, and we see that in John chapter 14 because Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit with you, but now he introduces a new relationship and he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, not leave, not come for a moment. Even the Spirit of truth, you know him, like you know him, he's, he's been around forever, and you know all the stories. Right? Like you have Samson and David and these powerful people, and the Holy Spirit would come. For he dwells with you, but he will be in you. He's speaking of something to come. So the Holy Spirit's been here. But he, Jesus is saying, just wait, because I'm about to do something that will change your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you, but he will be in you. Okay. The next one is the Holy Spirit in us. So with us, in us, upon us. He has been with us. The Holy Spirit in us. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. Who receives the Holy Spirit? If if Jesus is saying, listen, the Holy Spirit's with everyone because he's on the earth but he will be in you. So how do we get the Holy Spirit in us? This is an important question because there are whole movements out there that call themselves like spirit-filled and it makes everyone else think that they don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever been in a movement where you're like, man, there's like one camp that has the Holy Spirit and there's another camp that doesn't have the Holy Spirit and it seems like they're arguing about who has the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? This is a huge contention in the body of Christ. So who has him? You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. This is why it's so important that... um, you know, I don't know if you've ever t- told, you know, taught your kids to not be unequally yoked, right? Like, my desire is that my son and daughter marry a believer. And the reason for that is because before you receive the Holy Spirit, there's a whole part of you that's spiritually dead. So you don't even understand the concepts of the Bible because the Spirit of God in you is, is, has not been reborn or alive, Right? And so when you, this is salvation, when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of you. So Jesus is saying, you know him because he's been with you, but listen, when I go to the cross and I die, it's going to open up a whole new relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now he can come and dwell in you because you're redeemed. So if you ever worry that like, oh, maybe my sin's too bad and I don't know about that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Which means you are spiritually alive and you were dead before. You have been raised to life. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to a Pentecostal church. You don't have to come to the altar and have somebody lay their hands on you to get the Holy Spirit. You have him inside of you and he is leading you, and he's guiding you, and he's producing the fruit of the Spirit in you. Don't get me worked up. Okay. So so the next question is, when did the disciples become born again? And this is important because of what happens in, in Acts. John chapter 20. Jesus is talking. He's already raised from the dead, right? So John chapter 14, Jesus says, you know the Holy Spirit because he's been with you. He's going to be in you. Just wait. Wait for John chapter 20 because in John chapter 20, I've already died and come back and now you can have the Holy Spirit inside of you and he says, peace be with you as the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them ruah. The Holy Spirit instead received the Holy Spirit. He literally breathed the Holy Spirit into them and they became spiritually alive, born again. This is important because that's not all there is. If it was all there is, then there would be no Acts chapter one, no Acts chapter two. And so let's dive in. The Holy Spirit upon us. Okay. The Holy Spirit upon us. If we already have the Holy Spirit in us, why do we need to receive him again? You have the Holy Spirit. You don't need to beg for him. He's not going anywhere. You can grieve him if you go out and live a prodigal lifestyle. And some of us have already done that. And we know the grieving process, right? Before I was saved, I could do whatever I wanted. And it really wasn't a lot of regret. After I got saved, man, there's that thing in you. It's like, oh, this is now not fun anymore. Because I have the Holy Spirit going, no, you're better than that. That's not who you are. Come on, Right? So you have the Holy Spirit, each of you. And this is the point where where we as believers, we create this divide because the language in here suggests there's a a have and a have not camp. And I'm just exploding that because it's not true. You have the Holy Spirit. Okay. Luke chapter three, verse 21 and 22 is Jesus and his encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's the only one that we see, him personally encountering the Holy Spirit. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too in water. And as he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And another translation says, and remained on him. Did Jesus need to get saved? No. Did Jesus have the Holy Spirit in him? Yeah, he's kind of part of the Trinity. But the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him in a special way. Why? Because he was 33 and it was time to do ministry. So he literally went from there into the wilderness, conquered the devil, right? And then he began his ministry of signs and wonders because he had received the Holy Spirit upon him, a double portion of anointing. So, back to Acts chapter 1, because as I said, it's important for us to understand that the disciples had received the Holy Spirit like you and I have, and yet we're back in Acts chapter 1, and Jesus is saying, I want you to go back to the upper room. Remember we had the conversation in Acts chapter 16? Remember we were talking about me leaving and the Holy Spirit, and they're like, yeah, that was a horrible moment. Okay, so we're back there. I want you to go back to the upper room, and I want you to wait again I know because I'm leaving again. But this time it's going to be different because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit with power. And Acts chapter one says, for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's my belief about the Holy Spirit upon us. I believe that it is a constant filling. The Bible talks about, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled is literally a never-ending filling. The, re- the person that baptizes with the Holy Spirit is Jesus. And that's important as a visual. John says, listen, I baptize you with water, but one's coming. And I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandals and he's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us with fire. And I want you to remember when Samuel, the prophet, came to David. Remember, it came to, uh, to anoint the next king of Israel and David's out, right, in the flock and everyone forgot him and like, it could never be David. And, and, and they line all the brothers up and it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. And then he's like, hey, do you have anybody else? And he goes, yeah, this like silly little boy in the in the wilderness. Yeah, go grab him. David comes and God says, it's him. And the prophet, he comes and he pours an oil on David. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him. This is what Jesus does with you and me. Jesus comes with as the great high priest. And he comes and says, listen, you have the Holy Spirit. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's doing that that." beautiful, redemptive work of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, but I've got work for you to do. And so you need a double portion. You need more. Your cup needs to be filled up every single day. And so let me come to you in the morning, this morning and tomorrow morning and the next morning. And let me like the the prophet Samuel came to David and let me pour more of the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the things that you could never do on your own. This is the Holy Spirit upon us. And Jesus was modeling it for us. He was saying, listen, I don't need to get saved. I don't need the Holy Spirit in me, but man, I want all that God has for me. And so the Holy Spirit was poured out on him like he can be with us. And I want to, I um, to close, I want to revisit where we started in Acts because here's, the, here's the, the apostles and they have already received the Holy Spirit. In fact, tongues of fire showed up. What is that? This is crazy. The Holy Spirit came, and they all got filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter two. So here they are in Acts chapter four, and they're saying, "Oh God, we need a move of God. We need you to do something in our life. We need you, your signs and wonders again. We need healings. We believe for that. That's not over. That wasn't just for a time. We we need that in our life. We need you to raise up more people like Alex out of the deathbed. We need you to move." If you have a mountain in your life, God, I need you to move it. So Acts chapter 4, here they are, and they're like, holy smokes, we need you to move again. And they prayed, and the place shook. And you know what happened? They got filled with the Spirit again. Wait a minute. They already had the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, they already had the Holy Spirit way before the upper room because Jesus himself breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But they needed a filling in Acts chapter 2. And they needed another filling in Acts chapter 4. And I promise you, they probably had a filling every single day as they got up, put their two feet on the floor, and they said, Jesus, we need a move of God. And for whatever reason, you've chosen to use me. Because I already tried to shuffle it off on you, Jesus. Jesus, I need you to come restore the kingdom. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> you. You actually are gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Tomorrow, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's what I love about the disciples asking, who will restore the kingdom? That word restore means to restore back to full freedom that which existed before a fall to reconcile back to its original condition and intent. And I just thought to myself, man, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18 says this, and all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And then who knew he gave us the ministry He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Are you going to restore the kingdom? No, I'm not going to do it. Jesus is like, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I need you to restore the kingdom. I need you to reconcile people back to God. I need you to get out in the neighborhoods and in your workplaces. I need you to do that. And in order to do that tomorrow morning, you better wake up and you say, Jesus, come and fill me afresh and anew today. Like the prophets of old came and they poured oil on, on the, uh, when they anointed someone and they moved in power. This is my desire today. And so listen, whatever camp we fall on, call it baptism, call it spirit-filled. You can just call it believers in the way, the way of Jesus. And we believe that Jesus comes and he gives us everything we need. And so you're not stuck that's why I so believe in preaching sermons that, that land in you are not stuck. You are not powerless. You are not a victim because you have the Holy Spirit. And you don't just have yesterday's Holy Spirit. You have a fresh outpouring tomorrow. And the next day, be filled and be filled Over and over again. And so we don't need to say, God, restore the kingdom because he said, I'm restoring the kingdom through you. I'm reconciling people back to God through you. You are ready. God, we need a move. We need a move. We need a move. I'm going to end this morning by um, giving us an opportunity for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you through this simple exercise how easy it is. And I'm going to believe that we all, with simple childlike hearts that come before Jesus, our Savior, our Shepherd, the one who said over and over again, what we're about to do is the reason why he said, it's to your advantage, I go away. Because now I can sit at the right hand of the father and anytime you ask, I can just pour more onto you of all that you need. How simple it is to ask, God, come fill me. Are you empty? Come fill me. Are you in need? Come fill me. You need peace? Come fill me. you anxious? Come fill me. You feel like you're not enough? Come and fill me. Because I guarantee you, those disciples, they felt so inadequate to do anything that Jesus was talking about. But they just simply said, all right, God, we'll go up into that silly upper room, kind of like 215 Hickory Street, and we'll wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill in the gaps that we have. So I'm going to invite you to turn off the lights and we're going to worship to this song. And I want to invite you, you can stay seated the whole time. You can stand, you can go walk around, whatever you want to do. I'm just asking us to come before Jesus and say, come fill me once again with the Holy Spirit as we worship to this song.
1: We got together with Pastor Chris and Pastor Stephen on Thursday to just go in after the presence of God and try to pen lyric and melody and after a couple of hours it just felt like the presence of God just stopped everything and we wrote a song called The Blessing and it's straight from Scripture and it's the heart of the Father over us as his kids and we're going to sing it this morning if that's okay and this is a blessing over you and your family and your children. So just receive this this morning. Just put your hands out in front of you. Turn your heart to a place of just receiving the blessing of heaven from God himself over you this morning. We receive, we agree generations and your family and your children and their children and their children
0: for you now and we start we end with what we started with that we need a move we need a move of your spirit and God we just want to be people that want to say yes to the things that you are doing we want to be a people that say we need you God we, we desperately need you and we thank you that you're so good to pour yourself out in a special way And God I pray that you would lead each of us to that next step in our walk with you and in our understanding of the fact that you fill us to overflowing. Our cup overflows with blessing. God, I pray that as we leave this place that we would be people who are overflowing. We are overflowing. Come on, just um, whisper that to yourself. I'm overflowing. I'm not half full. I'm not half empty. I'm overflowing because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And so I'm overflowing. The joy of the Lord is overflowing. I walk in freedom and in liberty because where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And I thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.